Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Uh, if you are new to the Bible, go ahead and uh, just Google Romans chapter 8. But if uh, you've already gotten there, you've opened up your, your Bible or your Bible app, would you just stand to your feet with me as we read uh, into your hearing verses 38 and 39? Uh, one of the significant things I think about Romans chapter 8 is it sets the trajectory for what happens for my own spiritual growth. Where do I turn when I stumble? Where do I turn when I fall? What is the thing that keeps me going? How do I pursue what it means to be a, a holy person? It, scripture says, be holy as I am holy. And so, some of y'all unfamiliar with church, I'm going to try and explain that the best I can. Um, but for, for those of us who are like, man, I, like, I, I struggle with that. I, I'm trying to be more like Jesus, and yet I find myself in these ups and downs and all of these different places. Uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, is where you should turn. Uh, and so let me, let me read it into your hearing, verses 38 and 39. It reads this way. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The very words of scripture. Amen. You all may be seated. In 2018, a movie came out that was recognized as the greatest grossing superhero movie in all of U.S. history, at least up until that point in time of U.S. history. It since has been eclipsed. Uh, and yet it is one of my favorite movies. It uh, was written and directed uh, by Ryan Coogler, who uh, at 28 years old became the youngest filmmaker in all of Marvel history. The movie, you may have guessed it by now, is called Black Panther, starring the late and great Chadwick Boseman. The film's storyline begins in Oakland, California, but is quickly redirected to the flourishing African nation known as Wakanda. And as portrayed in the film, Wakanda uh, is an economic, a technological, and a medical marvel. One of the main reasons Wakanda is such a thriving environment is because of a resource that is readily uh, available that permeates the landscape of Wakanda. And that resource is known as vibranium. Vibranium seems to be an almost supernatural resource that can be used to make weapons, to, uh, to make protective force fields. It absorbs and redirects kinetic energy. It can be used to heal and to strengthen almost anything. It makes anything stronger and more resilient than it could ever be on its own. If there's an attack, a battle, uh, a famine, or even a pandemic illness, those who have access to the resource of vibranium 
will probably be able to sustain themselves and even flourish despite the circumstances and situation that they find themselves in. In many ways, vibranium is the strongest, most valuable resource in the universe. As we get ready to come to our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul wants you and I to understand that though Wakanda is a fictional place made up of fictional characters and vibranium uh, is a resource that exists only in a fictional world, the concept and idea of vibranium isn't all that fictional. As a matter of fact, there is a certain kind of vibranium of the soul that can be used uh, to fend off our foes in battle, a, a vibranium of the soul that can heal us when we're hurting, a, a vibranium of the soul that can be used as a weapon to fight off foes. You see, what I believe the Apostle Paul is articulating to us in Romans chapter 8 is the very place where we can find the vibranium of God the greatest resource in all of the universe. And I want to preach from that subject this morning. I want to preach from the subject, the greatest resource in all the universe. I want to give us a table of contents this morning that uh, will sort of be the tracks that we run on. The first thing that we're going to look at in Romans chapter 8 is what it looks like to live in the spirit or experience life in the spirit. Second thing, we're going to look at that because Christ is in us and we are in Christ by faith, there can only be empty accusers, no real accusers. And third and finally, we're going to look at if Christ is in us and we are in Christ, we have access to an endless resource. I want to preach from the subject, the greatest resource in the universe Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness towards us. We thank you for the opportunity to sing to you, to give back to you in response to your generosity towards us. And God, I pray now that you would open up your word and illuminate magnificent things that are in it. And God, would we not simply be hearers of that word, but would we be doers of that word also? And so, Father, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we get ready to come to our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul, who's writing to the church at Rome, is writing to a group of people uh, who are uh, Jewish ethnicity, and he's writing to a group of people uh, who are non-Jewish, who are all a part of this same church. Uh, and what you will see throughout the book of Romans is this idea of the equality of everybody. And the reason for that, what you'll see in Romans 1.16, the power of the gospel, uh, it, it is for the Jew first all, and also the Greek. And you see that over and over again throughout the book of Romans. And one possible reason why that is, is that there are certain people uh, who are looking down on the Jews uh, in this particular local church. 
Uh, and it, the author, Paul, wants to remind them that this is a gospel message that is for absolutely, positively everybody. Uh, and so, in essence, from chapter 1 on through chapter 6, what you see the Apostle Paul labor to do is to articulate that what it means to be made right with God is something that only happens on the basis of faith. Now, here's the thing. Faith is only as strong as the object that you place it in. Faith is only as strong as the object that you place it in. To have faith in faith, sometimes somebody will say, well, you just got to believe, right? And, and, and I know your mom said that, and, and she put it up on, uh, on a magnet on, on your fridge, uh, and you, you just got to believe, and sometimes it's believe in yourself, believe, you know, believe in belief, kind of. You know what belief in belief is? It's nothing. But faith is only as strong as the object that you place it in. But what the Apostle Paul is laboring to do from chapter 1 through chapter 6 is to say that to be declared right with God is solely on the basis of faith. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, how well that you've done for God lately. It doesn't have to do uh, with your good outweighing your bad. It doesn't have to do in this particular context with this particular church with how well you are keeping the law. Uh, it has to do with faith. But faith in what if if faith is only as strong as the object that you place it in. Faith in the person and work of the perfect God-man Jesus Christ. Because faith is only as strong as the object that you place it in. What the Apostle Paul wants his hearers to understand is that the person and work of Jesus Christ, his perfect life that he lived, his sacrificial death that he died in our place and for, his sin, for our sins, and his bodily resurrection that, that he uh, showed victory over Satan's sin and death is so supreme, is so incredible, is so magnificent that it is the only thing that will make you right with God. And so the Apostle Paul articulates that over and over again, the importance of faith in the grace that God provided. What is grace that God provides? The person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, some of y'all been in church a long time, so you said, Steve, where's the good part? What, we've been knowing all of that, faith uh, by faith through grace, all, 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 all of, by grace through faith, all of that stuff. Uh, but but the, the significant thing here is that oftentimes in our human journey, and this is one of the reasons why this is one of my life verses, what happens is you trust in the grace that God has provided to begin with, and then you move on to your own ability to do all the right things to continue. And what the Apostle Paul wants to articulate to you and I as he moves his way through chapters 1 through 6 and he gets himself to chapter 7 is that the reality of life one way or another is going to hit you. Uh, the, the reality of the fact that you are not perfect. The, the reality that uh, even when you do the right stuff, sometimes your heart is motivated by the wrong things. Uh, the the 
the, 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 the reality of the experience of saying to yourself, why, why can't I get over that? What, why do I find myself back here in this same place when I, I drew the line in the sand and I said, no more, I'm never going back to that, and now you find yourself back to that. And that, now you hear the voice of, what, 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 what is all of that about? Why, why can't you get it together? And then you begin to question to yourself, well, am I really Christian? The Apostle Paul articulates this life experience that we all find ourselves in uh, in Romans chapter 7, and, uh, and he goes down the litmus test of all of these different things that we experience in life. I've got some hang-ups and some hold-ups and some stuff in me that loves God, and yet I still got some stuff in me that wants to do my own thing. What am I going to do? And the climax of Romans chapter 7, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who? will deliver me from this body of death. I, I look at myself and I realize I'm still jacked up. But he says, thanks be to God, to Jesus Christ our Lord. But watch this now. Paul doesn't move on to a different topic when he gets to eight. He actually gets to eight and gives you the resolution to your problem from seven. He says, he says in Romans 8, 1, there, uh, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He, uh, he literally articulates the things that we have to remind ourselves and rehearse to our souls over and over again about what uh, was accomplished through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is, it is that therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It don't matter what your grandmama say about you. It don't matter what your sister said about you. It don't matter what your teacher said about you, your mama and your daddy said about you. Whatever they said to accuse you and condemn you, that is not what God says over you if you are in Christ and Christ is in you. He says there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But not only uh, not only does, uh, does uh, he talk about this idea of there being no condemnation, but uh, one of the things that he articulates is what it means to experience life in the Spirit of God when Christ is in you and you are in Christ. And, uh, and one of the things that we have to uh, unpack and talk about uh, is this idea that oftentimes in church context, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Oftentimes, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit get exalted uh, over the giver of the Spirit and or we just don't talk about the Holy Spirit at all. And so what the Apostle Paul is articulating in, in Romans chapter 8 is actually what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through your life is continually and, and perpetually applying the person and work of Jesus Christ to your life. Watch this. That's a bold claim. That's a bold claim. The primary role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to apply the person and work of Jesus Christ to your life. That means that the Holy Spirit's voice, when you mess up and you try to get your stuff back together, the Holy Spirit's voice is Romans 8 and verse 1. 
There is therefore, because Christ is in you and you are in Christ, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But not only does he say there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but he goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 verses 15 through 17 that uh, what is probably the most crazy thing about the gospel or the, 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 the accoutrements of the gospel, all the elements of the gospel that are present in the scripture. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Now, ladies, in this particular context, in this particular culture, firstborn sons were the only ones who got an inheritance. So when, when Paul is articulating, you have adoption as sons, He's saying that whether you're, uh, you, you are uh, a daughter or a son, you all get the same inheritance as the firstborn son. And the Spirit of God in us cries out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, hear this, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Watch this now. You have become and achieved the achievement and inheritance of the firstborn son of God on the basis of nothing you ever did. That's scandalous. And yet, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says that, that the, Spirit actually, the Spirit actually affirms and confirms that you are an heir and a co-heir with Christ. And, and listen to what it's predicated on. It's predicated on whether or not you suffer with him. It ain't predicated on all the good circumstances and all the blessings on blessings and God really must have favor on you because you don't go through nothing and you got blessings on blessings. No, the, 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 the whole predication of your sonship and, and your co-heir with Christ is predicated on your suffering. But not only that, not only does he say there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, not, not only uh, does he say you are a co-heir uh, with Christ based on nothing that you ever achieved, but he even says that God so transcends circumstances that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, God is using all things to work for your good, Romans 8, 28. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that they might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's 28 and 29. He doesn't call the circumstances good. He says, because of who you are and because Christ is in you, and you are in Christ, God can transcend your circumstances and use even bad things for your good. 
There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, He uh, has adopted us and and made us co-heirs with Christ. That's the Spirit's voice over you and me in Christ Jesus, continually and perpetually applying the person and work of Jesus to your life. And then he says, even when the bad stuff happens, if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, I'm still going to use it for your good. I'm such a big God that I can transcend circumstances. And it's from that place in Romans 28 and 29 uh, that Paul then moves into what he's talking about in Romans, or it's a continuation of his argumentation in Romans 8 and verse 31. So God initiated, God uh, declared righteous, God, uh, God is shaping and molding us into the image of his son. God is going to glorify us, 29, Romans 8 and 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Watch this now. If you and I have been declared right with God by faith, if the Spirit is confirming that we are God's children, if God is using all things to work together for good, uh, if he's promising to fulfill what he began in you and me, then who is going to confront God? Who is strong enough? Who is, uh, is clever enough to, to deceive him? Who is powerful enough to overturn his purposes? Who is willing to get into a ring and box with God over you and I? Who wants to get into a street fight with God? Whoever they are, their arms are too short to box with God. Even when we experience suffering and sorrow, we can rest assured that God's love is right there because it's not like God is looking over the balcony of heaven saying, man, do more, do better. No, based on Romans 8, the Spirit of God is in you. He is with you. Just like a dad on the side of his kid learning how to ride a bike. I got you. I'm with you. I'm in this with you. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Can can my anxiety separate me from God's love? Can can my depression separate me from God's love? Can can my failure separate me from God's love? Can, uh, Can my sin separate me from God's love? Can my difficult circumstances separate me from his love? Can my physical pain separate me from his love? No. As a matter of fact, our physical pain validates that we are the children of God. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God is willing to give you his most prized possession, then why would he withhold anything else from you? I got a friend uh, in uh, Coachella Valley where where they do the uh, Coachella Music Festival, and uh, he passes out there, and there's a lot of people out there who are what they call snowbirds. Uh, And snowbirds are are people who uh, they they live uh, in Coachella when it's cold where they're from, right? Uh, and then they go back to where they're from when it's hot in Coachella. 
Uh, and, and so they called them snowbirds. As soon as it starts snowing in their hometown, they come to Coachella and, and they reside there. And so one of the things that you'll see if you're ever out there is that it's a whole lot of old wealthy folks, right? So when you walk up to a restaurant, you might mess around and see like a vintage drop top Bentley and be like, who, who drives this? Like you might go to the drop, to, to like somebody, like I went to his house one time and it was like a 1976 Rolls Royce. Like somebody's just driving that around town to the, go to the grocery store. And, 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 so, and so that's kind of the stuff that you'll see. Now imagine you went into one of those restaurants uh, and you saw this vintage Bentley drop top in, uh, in the, the parking lot and you sat down uh, there at the bar and, uh, and you got your Diet Coke. Uh, I'm just playing. You sat, down at, at, you sat down and you started to talk with one of those snowbirds and they started to articulate to you, uh, listen, man, I got this vintage drop top Bentley. It is my most prized possession. I mean, it is the apple of my eye. They just can't keep, uh, can't stop talking about this vintage drop top Bentley, right? It, it is so special to them that you have in your mind, like, I think they might get buried in this car. Like, I think that that's, that might be how they go out. Like, uh, what, what did the rapper said? Bury me inside the Gucci store. They're going to bury him inside the Bentley Continental Vintage drop top. Uh, and, 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 but then at the end of this conversation, this uh, wealthy snowbird says, you know what? I want you to drive my Bentley Continental drop top. I want you, I want you I want you to drive Uber with my Bentley Continental drop top. I want you to go to the grocery store in my Bentley Continental drop top. I, I want you to drive my Bentley Continental vintage drop top like you are Mario Andretti. Like, don't hold back, right? If that person who gave you their most prized possession knew that you were in a tough spot and needed a place to stay that night, would they say, you know what? You got to stay on the street today. If, if that person who, who gives you their most prized possession uh, knew that uh, as you're staying with them, uh, w w would they say, uh, you know what? You can stay here, but don't eat my like turkey lunch meat in the refrigerator. Like, it's cool that you're here and all, but, like, you know what? Like, stay out of the pool. Can we do that? Can we, you know what I mean? Don't use my towels, right? <laughs> the answer is no. Because the person already gave them the thing that was most important to them. So anything else that they have, they'd be more than willing to let you have it. And in essence, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying, that if, if God the Father gave us his son to uh, be born of a virgin and live the perfect life that you and I could not live and die sacrificially in our place and for our sins and, uh, and, and rise in victory over Satan's sin and death, then, 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 then there is nothing else that he'll withhold from you. And so, in essence... What Paul is articulating from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 32, is this picture of what the Holy Spirit is continually and perpetually reminding you and I about our identity 
if Christ is in us and we are in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It don't matter what somebody said about you. That ain't what God says about you. It is a security from the God of the universe that cannot be taken back. There is no condemnation. You have become a daughter or a son of God, a co-heir with Christ based on nothing you ever did. God is so transcendent that if Christ is in you and you are in Christ, he's using even bad stuff for your good. And nothing can separate you from his love. If he didn't withhold his son, he ain't going to withhold anything else. And yet somebody might be saying to themselves, you know, there, Steve, there's some limits to this, right? Like, like, I, like man, we're, we're still sinners. Like, we're still, we still got issues and people could still uh, accuse us. Like, I still got some stuff uh, in my past and some stuff uh, that, that I still falter on. They, 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 could bring, uh, they could bring a charge against us. That somebody could condemn us. Verse 23. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who in, indeed is interceding for us. Now, Paul is saying something that's obvious here, but logic doesn't always speak to our hearts. So logic sometimes doesn't feel tangible, like we can't get our arms around it. So the reality of your situation and my situation is that we have a real enemy who still tries to accuse us because, uh, because grace is such a foreign concept to our lived experience, we find ourselves hearing the voice of shame Often and confusing that with the voice of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Because we got that scholarship based on how good our SAT scores were or our ACT scores were. Because, uh, because uh, we, we've got... Uh, we got on that team based on how well we, we performed because, uh, because uh, Jonah was in, in the previous service, because I passed the bar exam is the reason why I got to that job, right? That, that, that's, our lived, that's our lived experience. It's on the, all on the basis of, of our ability to do something that we gain acceptance or approval. And so what, what happens is, is that you have, you have a killer week uh, at, with Christianity, like doing your thing in your faith, right? You have a kill, like you just did the doggone thing. Like you, you came home and, uh, and, uh, and you, you went to Trader Joe's and you didn't buy the $2.99 bouquet of flowers, Troy. You bought the $12.99 joints, right? And you got them, th- you got them cut up. You got, you got them in the vase and everything. And you're like... I'm just waiting for her to see him, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 then, uh, and then all of a sudden you, you said, man, you know what? I'm going to cook my wife's favorite, uh, favorite food. And, and so you, you hook up this gourmet meal and you even say, babe, you know what? I'm going to take the kid, I'm going to take uh, the, the kids and I'm going to put them to sleep. And, and the kids act like perfect angels and you put them to sleep. Uh, and then even when you were walking outside of the Trader Joe's, you saw a colleague of yours uh, and you shared your faith 
with that colleague for whatever reason. They were just like something was on there. They look heavy on their heart, and, and you just decided, you know what? Now's the time. I, I, I feel like they're ready to, to hear about this. Can I just tell you what's helped me? And you share your spiritual journey with God and all of those different things. They said, you know what? I want to hear more about that Jesus stuff. And you get to the end of your day, you say, you know what? I killed that. <laughs> like, man, I did. I did the doggone thing. Like, I am killing that Christianity thing. Like, I'm doing this, man. Uh, and, 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 and then we look at our lives and we say, man, everything's up and to the right, man. And, 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 and we fail to realize that sanctification, this process of being made and shaped more and more to the image of Jesus, is, uh, is not like the graph that goes up and to the right with, with, uh, that you see at, at your job, right? Uh, and, and so we, we find ourselves the next week, uh, we, we, we get up from uh, sleep, you know, kids crying. Uh, we, we uh, you know, we just sort of rush out of the house and we get in our car and, and we cut somebody, uh, somebody cuts us off and we run up to them and we flip them the bird. And, uh, and then we realize, oh, that's the person I saw outside of Trader Joe's that I was sharing my faith with. <laughs> like, I'm tripping. Like, dang. Like, I'm, like, that's messed up. And, and then we get home, and, and we didn't even think about going to the grocery store. You said, you, said, you know what? These kids going to get whatever we got in the house. That's what these kids going to get. Uh, and so you realize, like, it was your job to go to the grocery store last week. So all you got is, like, Oscar Mayer hot dogs and Lay's potato chips. And so you boil these hot dogs. You ain't even got no condiments, no nothing. You boil these hot dogs and cut them up, and then you got Lay's potato chips. And you, your wife come home and say, what, babe, what did the kids eat today? They had, they had Oscar Mayer and Lay's. Ain't no, I didn't think about a vegetable, babe. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know why I didn't. Then you get in a tiff with your wife, what, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. You have a bad week. And I looked at pornography. I just deep dive. I spent a whole lot of time comparing myself on Instagram to other people. Like literally, like several hours of my day every day was comparing myself to other people on Instagram. And now you hear the voice of, you call yourself a Christian? Like, that's how you spent hours of your day? Like, you shared your faith and then flipped the guy off that you shared your faith with. Like, come on. And now all of a sudden you begin to hear a voice that you think is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But it ain't the voice of no condemnation. It actually is the voice of condemnation. It's the voice of shame. You hear that voice of shame over and over and over again, and you think to yourself, now i got to do something to get back into God's good graces. And the trick that happened in that moment is that in your pursuit of holiness, you've gotten onto a different track altogether. 
You said, Jesus, you're good to begin with. Now I'm going to go earn it on my own. As you stumble through ups and downs, twists and turns, and you think, I just got to do better. I just got to do better. I just got to do better. You white knuckle it, and then God begins to become some person that you have this transactional relationship with where you do good for God, and then maybe he's going to bless you. That ain't even Christianity no more. It just has all the accoutrements of it. Put that slide up for me, if you would, Chris. This is oftentimes what we think of when we think of our own sanctification, a big word that simply means being shaped and molded more and more into the image of Jesus. And you go to your job, and the boss asks you, what are the numbers looking like? What are the figures looking like? And the best thing that you can possibly say is that they're up and to the right. Up and to the right. And so often we look at our spiritual growth as like, can I make sure that this thing is always going up and to the right? And what ends up happening is we learn more information about God and think that that means spiritual maturity. And the whole time you have never allowed grace to be grace. The primary role of the Holy Spirit's work in your life is to apply the person and work of Jesus Christ to your life. It's to remind you that when you fall down, when you had a bad week, it doesn't give you the freedom to keep having bad weeks, but it's to remind you, you didn't get into this thing with your own abilities. You didn't get into this thing with your, uh, your, uh, your integrity. You, you, didn't, you didn't get into this thing with your hard work. And you ain't going to keep going with your hard work. And you ain't going to get glorified with your hard work. You're going to get glorified by grace. You're going to start with grace. You're going to continue by grace. You're going to be glorified by God by grace. And the up and to the right, the process of sanctification is reminding ourselves that, oh, I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm not standing in my performance. I'm not standing in my holiness. I'm standing in his. Hey, Romans 8, 1 through 39 is true. Not only is it true, and not only does it apply to my life, but I get to continually and perpetually remind myself that, hey, I love God and live for God, not so that I can gain acceptance with God, but because I've already got acceptance on the basis of grace through faith. Now I can actually pursue true holiness. 
Now I can actually pursue true sanctification. Now I can actually pursue truly living and loving God because the motivation of my heart is, is, is driven by grace and nothing else. That'll be the constant struggle of all of our lives for the rest of our lives is to remind ourselves of the process through which we entered into relationship with God, the process through which we grow in relationship with God, and ultimately the, the way in which you and I are glorified by God. And so let me wrap up as we round third and head for home. An endless resource. Latter half of verse 34. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And so, in essence, if we've been united to Jesus, I keep saying Jesus is in us and we are in Jesus. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. Jesus isn't just sitting there uh, saying like, ah, you know, what had happened was, you know, uh, but God, you're applying, like, you're applying me to their account, right? No, he, he literally sees you uh, through the way that he sees his son. Him sitting at the right hand of God signifies that the work of Jesus is always being continually and perpetually applied to you through faith. Can suffering cut us off from God's love? Can, uh, can accusing me or anybody else accusing me separate? from God's love? If he gave us the thing he cares for the most, will he withhold his love from us? The answer is no. And it's the thing. Oftentimes, we will confuse, even, even when we're thinking about the, like, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit of humility, right? We think of humility and we think to ourselves that maybe, you know, the, the way of humility uh, is me thinking of myself less uh, and so what ends up happening is instead of thinking of yourself less, you just think negatively of yourself. I've, I've said this before, but narcissism is two sides of the same coin. Thinking of yourself less is still thinking of yourself. And it still is not humility and is not the fruit of humility. It's actually just a negative self-narcissism. And it's not the voice of the Holy Spirit over your life. And so Paul goes on to summarize all of this. For uh, He says in verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul here almost sounds like that old preacher who would singing their sermon, his poetic prose communicating that there's nothing uh, in astrology, nothing in the galaxy, nothing in any spiritual realm or alternate universe, nothing now and nothing in the future has the power to separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. The old folks used to say, God's so high you can't get over him. He's so wide you can't get around him. He's a lawyer who's never lost a case. He's a doctor who's never lost a patient. That uh, is how God's love for us resonates if we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Reminds me of a story as the band comes and as I close, reminds me of a story of this old preacher who uh, was invited to speak at this very 
uh, important event. And there were people, very important people, VIPs from all over uh, the world that were invited to come and be at this event. And so uh, oftentimes these uh, incredibly important people would come uh, with their uh, their entourage, and so they would have their security with them, and they would have uh, they would have people that were ca- there to carry their bags, right? And they uh, they would have people who uh, who were there just to, as assistants and executive assistants with them, uh, and and so uh, there was a group of people who were there at the airport ready to receive uh, the people who were there to speak at the event. Uh, and so they kept receiving these people that had different entourages of uh, executive assistants and security and people that were carrying the bags. And so this old preacher uh, gets off of uh, gets off of the plane just with his Bible in hand, uh, and he walks up to the group of people who were there to receive him, uh, and 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 they say to him, "Sir, where, where's your entourage? Where's where's your executive assistant? Where?" Where's your security? Where are the people that are here to carry your your bags? And he says, well, you don't see him? He said, sir, no, we don't see see your entourage. He said, you you really, you don't see him? He said, sir, no, we we don't see your entourage. And so he he says, well, I got God the Father behind me. I've got Jesus Christ, the trailblazer in front of me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got goodness on one side and mercy on the other. If they can't handle it, then nobody can. That is what is true of you and I. If we are in Christ and Christ is in us solely on the basis of faith in the grace that God provided. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that some of the things that I've even said just so often come out in my preaching, and yet this passage really was a catalyst for so much of my understanding of what it means to be united to Jesus and to be in Jesus and Jesus in us. And so I I pray, God, that it it is like the, the fabric and foundation, my understanding of sanctification, my understanding of I'm not being transactional with you, but to actually pursue you in intimacy because of who you are, who you've revealed yourself to be, not a caricature of what we create in our minds. And so, Father, I I pray that when we find ourselves in those Romans 7 situations, who will deliver me from this body of death, that we would turn our attention and our affection to Romans chapter 8, that when we hear the voice of shame or the voice of Uh, uh, self-negative communication that we would remind ourselves that, man, that that ain't what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and then points us back to the person and work of Jesus Christ applied to our lives. It points us back to the good news that there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. It points us back, uh, he points us back to the good news that uh, we have become co-heirs with Christ. It points us back to the good news that God uh, is using even bad things out for our good. It points us back to the good news that nothing uh, can separate us from your love. And, and, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, maybe even Paul articulates this with all of these exaggerated terms to say like, you can't separate you from God's love. Wow. 
And so, God, I pray that we would turn our attention and our affection to the person and work of Jesus applied to our lives and remind ourselves that that's how much you love us. And if that's how much you love us, if we're that secure, I want to live for you, God. I want to love you, God. I want to pursue holiness for your glory, God. Not out of duty, but because I want to. Because I just want to put a smile on my daddy's face. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.